this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? <laughs> My voice just broke. I'll try that one again. Ah, all right. Try this without sounding like Dipper. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Dipper. I'm the help makes Chris watch cartoons. An animation podcast for geek girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode... Dipper, Wendy, Seuss, and Mabel discover a mysterious bunker in the woods. But when a also mysterious man shows up down there, there's more to him than meets the eye. We're talking about Gravity Falls into the bunker this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. That's good. You doing anything fun? You were telling me about your Strangers in Paradise and it sounds like it's going great. Yeah. Yeah, we've been recording on that. I'm... I'm going to start mixing on it. We got uh, some music, some original music turned in for it by mm-hmm. a podcaster named Jim Moon. And uh, yeah, it's going really, it's, uh, I mean, just from from the recording sessions, the actors now, and actresses are really good. I don't think you've actually talked about that on this show. So here, have a platform. What are you doing? I don't, because I, I just was thinking, I don't think you've talked about that because I've been editing and I don't know where you're bringing it up. Well, back in the 90s, there was a comic book called Strangers in Paradise by uh, written and drawn by Terry Moore. He sort of started out as a panel cartoonist, and his stuff looked a lot like um, Bloom County. And he started making his own comic, uh, the uh, uh, story of a sort of complicated love triangle between two women and a guy and it turns into a crime drama, and there's ninjas involved and stuff. Also, he has a very distinctive and appealing art style, and it was it was a huge comic in the '90s. I I it's on my wall of shame of stuff I never read, but I noticed same it was a, here. <laughs> it was a it was a comic that that people I knew who didn't read comics would get like not just sucked into, but like they would get cracked out over it. And it was just one of the more hugely successful comics of the 90s. And it, it, it was a self-published comic, too. So it was, it, was a, it was a phenomenon. And I think there's like 19 or 20 trade paperbacks of it. So, yeah, it had a good long run. Thomas DJ, who I do uh, the Honeywell Experiment with podcast. Over on to Drew Freaks. Contacted Terry Moore and asked him and said, hey, if... Uh, if I if adapted scripts for an audio drama for Strangers in Paradise, would that be okay? And Terry, Terry Moore said, yeah, sure, as long as you don't sell it. So Thomas started looking for actors and actresses, and, and wouldn't you know, there's a huge fan base of, uh, of Strangers in Paradise fans out there, some of whom are actual like voice actresses. One of our lead actresses has been in a couple movies and stuff. They're, they're pro voice actors and actresses and there's and uh, some amateur podcasters like Jean Jean, the Twitter machine from our own two true freaks. He's he's doing a lot of the uh, like comedy relief stunt voices and and knocking it out of the park. So, yeah, we're in the uh, we've got the first trade paperback 
adapted in script form and we are recording it now i would say we're not quite halfway there with with recording but way ahead of (laughs) everything has been moving faster and easier and turning out better than i could really ever imagine for any kind of project like this that i've ever done that involves multiple people this is something we've discussed on on two true freaks before uh, like our two true freaks audience and nerd audience in general can can sometimes be very male centric but we have managed to like think we've got more actresses than actors than male actors in our repertoire repertoire now repertory group and they're fantastic so that was that was one thing i worried about i was like i wonder if you know the two leads in this are both female and they're both very strong characters like very distinct characters and they both have to carry the lead on it and i thought that was going to be the hardest part and it turned out we (laughs) we did that almost immediately (laughs) so yeah i couldn't be more pleased if there's anybody out there that's uh a voice actor or actress who's interested we will we will be casting for subsequent seasons for this too we need more men and uh women to do roles to do like main character roles or so there's you know pick up roles like the occasional waiter and waitress and stuff like that that's cool i'm very excited i'm very excited i'm very curious to see if something i mean i mean it was selling millions of copies so I'm I'm very curious. There, there was talk as, of it being a um, movie at one point. I mean, I, I just I wonder if it translates uh, if people's interest in it after 20 years translates into an auto drama. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so cool. I I can't wait to hear it. And that's over at twotruefreaks.com, you guys. Yeah. And at the very least, I've always wanted to do an audio drama. I've always wanted to engineer the audio on audio drama, so I get to do that, you know, oh, at the very least. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I did he- listen to the preview, and it sounds really good. Of course, most of the previews. Not much to it. It's got one line of dialogue in it, and that's it. A couple sound effects, but <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I'll have I'll have there'll be more stuff to listen to. Um, it'll already be out by now, but uh, we also took the whole crew and just fired off a quick Halloween story from an old comic that's lapsed into the public domain so it's copyright has no copyright restrictions so we adapted that into like an old time radio horror show with all the all the crew from uh, strangers in paradise and that should be up by now too by the time that should be up by now yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be up when as the time of recording it'll be up this friday so it'll definitely be on the strangers in paradise to the two true freaks yes yeah, that's so awesome. I can't wait. And also, I shout out to Gene because our, our patron Gene is part of this too. So, way to go, Gene. Gene plays <laughs> the lead in the Halloween. Gene has such a good podcasting voice. <laughs> so, yay, Gene. Gene, Gene, has a, Gene is so perfect in this lead, in the lead character. Of this It's just, he's just playing the like sort of 50s like, oh no, Janet, watch out for that stump in the road. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh my god, is it like Chadley and Trixandra in the movie Nearly Almost Dead But Not Quite? 
I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is, actually. <laughs> Nearly almost dead, but not quite. <laughs> nice segue. Nice ah. nice way to, to bring it all together. Ah, there Get we go. Get it back on course. Well, you ready to talk about Into the Bunker? I am. Did you like this one? I like this one a lot. It goes places, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that half Mabel, half Dipper is terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> I, I have notes. <laughs> All right. Well, you ready? Yep. Into the Bunker is the 22nd episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on August 4th, 2014. It was written by Alex Hirsch and Matt Chapman. The director was Joe Pitt, and the storyboard artists were Neil Graff, Joe Pitt, and Eric Fountain. Some extra information for you. The voice of the shapeshifter is none other than the great Mark Hamill. He I did a- not even recognize it. Oh my I God. know. I go back and watch it. Just As soon as I know it's Mark Hamill's voice and then I go back and see it, I go, of course that's Mark Hamill's voice, but I did not. I'm the exact same way because um, when, when he's actually in his monster form, they, they you know, they zhuzh it up a bit. But when he's right. the old man, like, now that I know it's Mark Hamill, I can hear that it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> but I, it, it wasn't until, like, later that I was like, oh, she has Mark Hamill. So I feel you. And, of course, he is best known for playing Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. But he has an incredible voice acting career that includes Avatar The Last Airbender, which is our next show that we're going to cover. Regular show, Troll Hunters, and of course, his best known voice role, the Joker in Batman the Animated Series. When the shapeshifter first reveals itself to Dipper and Wendy, it takes the form of an upside down spider like creature with a long worm like neck attached to a man's snarling head. This is a reference to the 1982 science fiction horror film, The Thing. Yeah. Yep, where the shapeshifting alien adopts a very similar appearance in the scene. Mabel says that the bunker is not as creepy as Dipper's internet history. Alex Hirsch did an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, but he did it as the character of Bill Cipher. And according to quote-unquote Bill, Dipper's internet history contains a lot of pictures of redheads. He wrote the caps. I just read it. And finally, last week I had mentioned that Gravity Falls had a channel move between season one and season two, and it went from Disney Channel to Disney XD. Here's the difference between the channels. When this episode airs in syndication on Disney Channel, the scene in which the shapeshifter transforms into a combined Dipper and Mabel is cut, as well as Seuss's line of, good luck sleeping tonight, in the sequence in which slime drips from the shapeshifter is also shortened. Due to censorship guidelines, the scene where Dipper accidentally lays on Wendy's bra is cut, along with Wendy's line of, don't be itchy, man as well as when Wendy kicks the shapeshifter disguises her in the chest because he she kicks the shapeshifter between the boobs. And the scene where Dipper attacks the shapeshifter disguised as Wendy in the lower chest with an axe is also cut. When this episode airs on Disney XD, everything is normal. So weird, because, it, I mean, there's some stuff that, like, I mean, the slime drips and stuff, I don't understand I, I don't what the Seuss's line of good luck sleeping tonight that's and the nothing. don't feel itchy man I don't yeah I it's... I don't see those are all those all seem wholesome to me I mean the bra one I thought that was a little edgy for a Disney kids show but it was the reaction to it and I was like yeah that's something like that would happen like on, yeah um, the show Disney... with Urkel on it or something like that you know it's not that it wasn't that you know, unless you're being really Disney, touchy. The difference between Disney and Disney XD as channels 
is Disney, the Disney Channel has kind of like, it's Y7 y and down kind of content. But, right, but, it's the Barney the dinosaur of... But not even quite as young as Disney Junior. Like, it's more from, like, your kid to tween. And Disney XD is, like, tween to teen. It makes sense, like, being on Disney XD that they can do a lot more. But there's just some little things, like, the slime. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> there is a deleted scene that was from Storyboards that was changed for this episode. And it's when Wendy and Dipper are in the decontamination room and they get like smushed together in the episode they like they get thrown together and they fall flop backwards but in the storyboard he just face plants into her boobs and just stays there and they change that scene which probably wouldn't have flown with disney channel anyway yeah yeah and by yeah i mean no (laughs) no All right, so as always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is to broke is is to broken is to broken in seven parts. Uh, several parts. Um, part one will be the story's theme and characters. Part two is Dipper's journal entries. I will say there's a lot of journal entries on this that I cannot read. <laughs> this the whole entire bunker was like seven pages of journal, and I think I can only read two of them. <laughs> The next is going to be the Cypher Corner and connections to previous episodes. And finally, it'll be Chris's Speculation and Theories Corner. So, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode? I like this episode a lot, but I, I only have two Jimmy Jams in this one. Yeah! And the one is uh, Skepticals. Skepticals! I bet you at some point somebody said to one of the writers, like just slipped and was going to say Spectacles and said Skepticals because it's a total Spoonerism. And they were just like skepticals. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote it down in their in their their idea book. It's just a great joke. And I had the Dipper Mabel monster as one of my favorites, as one of the many references to the the thing, which is a hard R rated movie. It's funny because, like, to somebody who's a fan of the thing, when you see the monster run off with the with the long neck with the head on top of it. The first thing you think is one character going, you got to be shitting me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that's like exactly what I like. That's what they like. They were putting that in the head of every adult that's seen the thing in this show, which has made it a funny joke for Chris. That one's the one that's the most terrifying is when it's like, I can be both. I, I I still remember the feeling the first time I saw that I just went, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, I I very vocally just yelled, oh, God, what is that? And still, I get that feeling of just like, "Ah," Yeah, it makes sense. After Bill Cipher, they can get a little bit Lovecraftian here, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually really like the fact that they had the channel move, because I was thinking, like, with everything that was cut out, I was like, that's a good chunk of this episode. Yeah. Like, I was trying to imagine those scenes, like, piece by piece. And I was like, there were just certain parts that it would just jump cuts. Like, when Dipper axes the thing. If, if you cut out that clip, just very suddenly you go from the shapeshifter being fine to bleeding with an accent. <laughs> and you don't see that cut scene. So, like, I was just trying to figure out what the episode would even look like. My favorite things is... Nearly almost dead, but not quite. Which is how I had that on hand. But I also just love all the movies at the end, especially Ghost Turtle, which is just a turtle with a sheet on it. 
<laughs> and I like the attack of the exclamation points. I think that's very clever. <laughs> but they I just... were okay, but I didn't note any of them because I didn't think they were quite up to their usual excellent par. Yeah, I hold them to a high quality on their their parody names, so they didn't. They... Ghost Turtle was the closest one, I think. I think that one. I just like that one because it's cute. Because I've, yeah. I've always turtles are really cute. It's one of turtles are one of those things. I that, like, like turtles. Yeah, but that was like always like my big sister's thing. Like my big sister loves turtles, so of course, growing up, I wanted to be like my big sister. So I'm just like, I like turtles too. So now I'm just kind of an adult. I'm like, yeah, turtles are great, and it's just that little kid inside me of like, I hope my sister likes that I like turtles. <laughs> But it's just so cute because it's just a turtle with a sheet on top of it. And it's adorable. I still love and laugh at Dipper laying on Wendy's brawl and freaking out about it. I remember when this episode came out, that moment actually had a lot of discussion in the fandom. Because, and and most of the discussion was like, this is the most real thing to puberty ever created. I thought that I thought this is a great puberty moment, but then I thought to myself, also, you know what? You could almost stage that same thing with an adult, like say if it was somebody he wasn't like married to or wasn't in a relationship with, you could still have an adult guy freak out like that. So, (laughs) yeah, it it did like uh, once I started thinking about it, I'm like, ah, his reaction isn't too we, you know. It is a, it's it's super not weird as a pubo, but it could have flown in almost any situation. And I'm also like that moment always sticks out to me too because I'm trying to re- remember how often in younger generation stuff where you just so casually have a bra, unless it's like a super like PSA of like I'm a girl and I'm with my single dad and my single dad is giving me my helping me find my first bra or something. You know, usually stuff like that is done, like, as a PSA in young adult media. Even till today, there's not a lot of things I'm like, here's a brawl. Um, I, th- I think the only reason they got away with it, because Wendy so, was so casual about it. And that's the like, thing. It's you, so normalized and so right. casual, which is what its strength is. I was trying to think about, like, something like, say, Brady Bunch era. You know, how they would deal with it. And it would be like... It they wouldn't would, be they, there. <laughs> they would, well, they would think to themselves, ah, this could be too, like, this could lead to too many humiliate, like, ways for people to humiliate a girl in school, or could lead to someone watching this feeling humiliated, plus the prudishness of TV and stuff. But the way Wendy deals with it, it's just, just like, ah, it's my bra, man, you know? It's no big deal to Wendy. So that's the, like, mm-hmm. main thing that gets, well, the main thing that gets communicated as dipper has a little freak out but it doesn't end up being like wendy isn't wendy isn't horrified that he's laying on her bra she's just like as a matter of fact it's just an opportunity for her to to mess with dipper a little bit yeah and i don't even think it's messing i just i think like i said i think its strength is just how casual it is and well yeah it's, it's just something it's just something a friend would do to mess with their other friend you know yeah. she's it's like ah he's laying on my bra but he'll jump if i say something you know I see what you're saying. Um, I don't necessarily just uh, agree, but I do see what you're saying. Yeah. And then my my other thing is, Mabel lights up her sweater and she's like, "Isn't that a fire hazard?" And she goes, "No, it's a fun hazard." <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just also I was just thinking if if it also is a good way like Wendy probably would have been a little embarrassed if she returned the feelings to Dipper. 
So it's also another way to communicate that Wendy's very platonic with Dipper. Yes, absolutely. She's having bro time with him. So I actually want to open talking about Wendy because my, like, subtitle of this episode is Into the Bunker, a.k.a. Wendy finally gets to be a full character. (laughs) Yeah, they sort of had to take Stan out of the mix to give her enough air in this story. I feel like this is the first time that we really get to see Wendy as a full fleshed out person. Because I actually started thinking about it. This is her first time going on adventures with them. Like, she's always kind of sidelined, like, either with Robbie, other than the convenience store. And even then, she's kind of, like, on the well, side because Dipper's doing everything. If you didn't think about it, she's, they, they, they make sure to mention it. They make sure to mention it, like, three or four times in the episode to, like, you should come on an adventure with us, you know? I can't believe you're on an adventure with us. Yeah. <laughs> so... So really? it was. It was the de- the writers definitely wanted to communicate that it that, that, that it was a, that was an important element of this. I, I just like we get to see so many different sides of her in such a short amount of time. Like we get to see her scared. We get to see her angry. We get to see her fight. We get to see her fierce. We get to see her happy and like cool and joking around with Zeus. We even get a little bit of family stuff with her that she used to take these like lumberjack things. So like they really took the short amount of time and finally like just fleshed out Wendy. And I feel like it's the first time we're actually seeing her like, like one of my favorite scenes with her that I think just is so for one, it's just precious every time she does it. I'm just like, ah, Wendy's so adorable. But when they get out of like the room with, with the walls coming in and she's just like, yeah, what a rush. We escaped death. And like, she's like so pumped about it. I'm like, this is Wendy. This is that's who her she dad. Is. Yeah, that's yeah, her dad, like coming through. Absolutely, and we also get to see how smart she is. Like she's the one that figures out that the old man is the shapeshifter, and she's like, "Dipper, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> this is not what it seems." <laughs> but, yeah, well, that that I like that scene too because it was it, it didn't shortchange Wendy's intelligence or the audience's intelligence. It just it knew that all they had to do was show mentioned that there was a shapeshifter and then show us what was it like a, it was a, a can of beans a can of beans they, they they had to show us a can and there was no exposition to it it was all just like boom and it communicated that very clearly but most like writers aren't confident enough to do that you know without mm-hmm. spelling it especially in a show with kids they don't take a lot of times or maybe I'm old and I'm just was used to being talked to like I was a moron when I was a little kid. No, by you're right. Cartoons. You're right. And so much of that scene is also not nonverbal because all Wendy says is "Dipper," and he shows she shows him the can. He sees it, looks at her, she looks at him, and they have this entire silent conversation. And Didn't... being able to trust even the audience with communicating, like, yes. oh, like it's so well done. Like, I don't know, because I'm 52 years old, so I don't know if I would have gotten it when I was eight, but I'd like to think that I would have. I, 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 I think I, I think they gave you enough information, and by have watching the other season of Gravity Falls, you're, you're up to speed enough. And I like it. I love when movies, TV, anything, any kind of medium respects their audience mm-hmm. with that and just lets them... I was just thinking, though, wasn't Wendy... They technically had a little adventure in the convenience store together. Yeah, that, that was the one that I was mentioning earlier. Like, But even then, she's still kind of on the side of that one because Dipper is the one that's like... Right. 
Yeah, like this is the first like she's participating. She's leading them. She finds the room into like the laboratory when they get down into the bunk or like when they first come in there. Like well, she's fighting, she's coming up with plans, like she's yeah. actually participating. It's it's kind of like with Stan in last week's episode. Like Stan finally gets to fully participate. Um, or actually Lambish for Swine's probably a better example because Stan's finally part of the adventure and it shifts the dynamic. And now Wendy's part of this adventure and it shifts the dynamic. Well, and I they're think very, I, they're similar. I think in order for them to resolve the crush between Wendy and Dipper, which usually would e- would usually re- either never resolve in a normal thing because they'd want to keep it going forever or it, they would end up being boyfriend and girlfriend or something. But in order to get it to that state of resolution, I think they had to develop her as a character more. Mm-hmm. So this this episode, I mean, it, it very efficiently communicates all the reasons why it just wouldn't work out between her and Dipper. Like she says, she spells it right out. I'm, too, you know, I'm too old for you, right? But you see that she's too. She's you see that she's a little older and more developed than than everybody else there by the way she's acting. I'm glad you brought that up because the death of the crush storyline is the best part of this episode because it's over. (laughs) The thing that's like probably one of my least favorite things about Gravity Falls is the crush storyline and now it's over. Well, it's a good, Uh, yeah, but that's a good lesson for kids. It it is. Because then they go, boy, that sucks. So then they'll, then they'll deal with their own crush stupid stuff. It'll help with that anyway. Yeah, like... And I'm not saying that, like, people can't write crush storylines. My issue is the crush storyline was at the expense of Wendy as a character, which I've talked about before on the show. But I like how they handle it here, because a lot of other media would have had either Dipper eventually winning or, or, or something along those lines. But it's so vulnerable and raw from kind of both of them. But we also see, like, what a good person Wendy is, because... It's awkward. It's clearly awkward for both of them. But she handles it so well, and she's not only lets him down easy, but she's also so direct about it. She's like, in the nicest way possible, going, there's no chance between us, but you're my best friend. Like, you're a really good friend of mine, and I want you still in my life. It's handled so well. (laughs) And to the point where... Sorry, there's a big old plane flying overhead well they don't spend too much time on it they spend just the amount of time on it they don't make it a fraught emotional that's the thing is there's the bill i mean dipper would rather rather deal with all with the shapeshifter creature and deadly force rather than say it to wendy and the only reason it gets the you know the air gets cleared is he thinks she's dead or injured or unconscious but by the time he, he has to say something he's already just He's already spilled his guts, and so it's damage control. But it, they do it, it, they do it in a way that's very subdued, but doesn't feel like anticlimactic or, yeah. or short-souled. It's perfect. It, it, it just, feels like it feels like the end of a chapter. Like it's more realistic. Yeah. It's, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like it feels like the end of a chapter, but both of their stories are gonna keep going, and both of their stories are still gonna be friends. And and what I also really love about the death of the crush storyline is. So much of Dipper's story up to this point has been wrapped up around Wendy and his crush that now for the rest of the series, he gets to go forward with stories that are just about him growing as an individual, not growing because of somebody else. He's growing from his own volition. 
and his own triumphs and hardships, which is a really good thing for him as a character as well. I agree. To so much of his actions, Wendy is the catalyst for, and now he gets to do his own thing. And so it's such a big moment to it. And I actually just love the animation of that scene because like, I love the pastels. It's like very like the sky is kind of like blue and purple. Like the sky is purple and the trees are blue, and it's it's a very beautiful scene. And you have these like little glowy lights of like fireflies and stuff. It's a gorgeous scene too, and I love the music as well. I've used the music in the show before. I love that entire scene. But did you have anything else about Dipper or Wendy? Not really. I do have one gripe of this show. It's kind of Mabel. <laughs> Mabel is. To me, I... She's I, and I kind of a and, stereotype of herself, I felt. I, I feel like she's out of character in this episode. That, that's like, what I had. There's like one scene where she makes a crazy face. It's kind of a funny crazy face. It's it's almost like they just brought the Mabel from the first couple episodes out in this one. Know. You know, and she's developed since then. It's not like she and Dipper didn't get along to begin with, but she's a lot. they're a lot more sensitive to each other. And in this one... She was just sort of portrayed like she was in the first couple episodes as just like stomping through everything, being more Absolutely. the agent of chaos. That That's exactly how I feel. Because like she feels so out of character because she, she teases Dipper in private when they're just alone. But she's never like openly teased him about Wendy except for the one time which was the inconveniencing where she like they're on the car and she's like what about your girlfriend but she hasn't done it anything else like that since then the fact that they went back to this it felt like it was a choice on the writers so Mabel is extra Mabel-y just for them to move the plot yeah well they were focusing on Dipper and Wendy and they sort of used Mabel to as an agent of doing the plot but they but they would just sort of move her out for something to do the plot and then she and Seuss would just sort of be like almost literally hanging out in the background for a lot of the episode and and there was other ways they could have done that because like Wendy was like hey Dipper come check out this closet and like they both could have walked in there and like Mabel and Seuss just pushing buttons as they were could have accidentally closed them in like there's other ways of doing yeah, there's that a without, million ways you could have done that yeah with, without absolutely sacrificing Mabel's character in this episode because she's not where she was at the beginning of the show and it's clear you put it in a very good way because I hadn't thought about that before she feels like how she did in episode one which 20, what, where are we, 22 episodes later, she's not in that place anymore. Yeah. But I will say one thing, Mabel was right. As someone who recently told their crush that they had feelings for them and got turned down, you do feel better one way or another. And sometimes you just have to put it out there and work through it because that's how you grow and that's how you become a bigger and better person and you work through it because... Like Wendy and Dipper, it's a chapter, and you got to keep on living. So I will say Mabel was right about that. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple crushes who that didn't work out with that I like. I've been I'm still friends with twenty or thirty years later. So mm-hmm. there you go. What did you think about the bunker? I love the bunker. I want a bunker. I love bunkers. They're a fascinating story element. They're just fascinating in general. This bunker is especially fascinating because you get glimpses of like the fact that somebody was living down there at one point and doing all all the 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 mystery stuff, the guy who'd written the journals. And you were you would see like file cabinets and stuff down there. I saw like file cabinets and stuff down there. 
if I were Dipper and Mabel after this episode, I would be living down in that. I would be down in that bunker every day, go, pouring through every inch of it. Well, there's still a shapeshifter somewhere down there. No, he's frozen. Didn't they freeze it? They they froze him. They did. <laughs> so he's down there frozen, as looking like Mabel, right? Or Dipper? Dipper. Dipper. So yeah. So as long as there's a frozen Dipper down there, they're theoretically okay. But was- no matter what, I I don't know if that would keep me away from the potential just wealth of information that would be down there towards who the guy who wrote the the journal was. I, I will say this. You remember when they froze the shapeshifter and he his last pose was Dipper just going, ah! Mm-hmm. Remember that pose. And that's all I'll say. I know right. it's so. I know it's such a weird thing to say, but I, we'll come back to that. Well, actually, what did you think about the shapeshifter? The shapeshifter was cool. I can't try. I, I was trying to figure out at first if they were trying to say, because the shapeshifter you could see had tunnels going off all over the place. And they had a water pipe down there. And I know the water pipe turned out later to be like something they used in the story. But also that means like you're around the town. It looked like the shapeshifter had bit, was able to like go all over the place. When the, the, the shapeshifter like basically turned into almost every creature that they'd ever fought. So I was wondering if they like they were trying to say it first. I don't think they were because there were more than one gnome and all that. At first, I was like, are they trying to say the shapeshifter has been everything that they've been dealing with? And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But I don't think that's what they were trying to say. No, it couldn't turn into the gnome until it saw it, which is why it wanted the journal so badly, because it only knew so many forms. And so once it got the journal, it learned other forms that it could turn into. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I just didn't pick that up. Yeah, that was something that... They, they kind of did that when he first saw Mabel. He was like, ooh, another form. And you see like him kind of eye scan her, and then he could turn into her. Mm-hmm. So once he got the journal, he had access to, and, and I'll read this from the journal in a minute, he has access to so many other forms that he could take. And so that's why Dipper was like, we can't let him into the town, because then we would never know if it was him. Right. Which goes back to the whole trust thing, because Dipper flat out says we could never trust anyone ever again. Oh, can you imagine a fan fiction? Like, if he goes back to California and, like, Mabel goes with him, and it turns out Mabel's the shapeshifter that goes with him to California, and you don't know where Mabel is? Oh, that'd be a great fan fiction. She's frozen in the bunker. I'm sure somebody's already written it, so. (laughs) But I like the shapeshifter. It's a nice rev up, and the fact that it directly knows the author, and he talks about him. He flat out says that six-fingered freak hasn't been himself for 30 years. What, What are your thoughts about, like, the possible like history the shapeshifter has with the author. Uh, we'll get to that later. Oh, that's in your speculations. Okay, I noted the laptop in your speculation in speculations too, but I wasn't sure if that you would put that there too. The what? The laptop, the thing that they find at the end. Oh right, no, that did not figure into my speculations yet. Oh, okay, well I will save that to that. But that's all I had for the stories, themes, and characters. Did you have anything else? <laughs> My first thought when I saw the puzzle room, the only other note I have is is I would have died in the puzzle room. Although they didn't really have to figure out I wouldn't have died in the puzzle room because it was a black light. It was just reveal the code instead of having to figure out the code through like math or cryptography or something like that. If it was like using math or cryptography, I would have died in that room. Me too. I'm horrible at math. Mm. I'd be counting on my fingers going, oh, God. 
I'm dying today. Well, if you don't have anything else, you ready for the journal? I am. All right, so I can't read most a lot of it. <laughs> most of the journal. I have a feeling that's how it's going to be through too. I can read the dipper parts easily. There's nothing in the dipper parts, but there are about this bunker. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I can read two of these pages. <laughs> Mostly, I might come back and read some of these once we get later. Well, I was gonna season. say, like you can always when we when we get past things that get spoiled we could always go back you know and you could and, say oh yeah this was one of the journal entries and i plan on doing that too i am waiting for episode seven because that's gonna free up so much of what i can do uh, okay <laughs> and then episode 11 is when everything changes so we're waiting for 7 11 7 11 you'll get your slushies so this is about the cryogenic tubes and when the author finds his first specimen. So, cryogenic tubes. I found my first specimen. During the dig, I discovered a large blue egg containing an utterly bizarre creature. This squishy, maggot-like hatchling has a unique ability. He can transform his body into anything he sees. I should note this is from the author. This is not Dipper's part. I quickly caged the marvel, and I've been feeding him canned beans, which he devours ravenously. I've grown attached to this creature. I have to, like, cut out whole sentences, so. Um, I should freeze it right away to test out the cryogenics, but I've grown attached to the creature. Tests. For the past week, I have conducted all manner of tests on the specimen, whom I've named Shifty, to get a sense of his unique biological makeup. Although I've yet to determine his origin, I've recorded countless incredible forms. Shifty has a delightful temperament, transforming into a tail-wagon dog when he's happy and a prickly sea urchin when he's sad. I have shown him photos of a number of different animals and he always matches them perfectly. Although I'm careful to only show him small herbivores, the books on large predators are strictly off-limits. I've also been careful to wear a surgical mask while around him, the possible repercussions if he got a good look at my face are somewhat unnerving. Every day, Shifty grows a little bit bigger, and I've had to upgrade him from a small kennel box to a full-size steel cage. While working late in the bunker, I heard a high, otherworldly, parrot-like voice calling out, Beans! Beans! Shifty has learned how to speak. A few words, at least, but every day he's been le learning longer sentences. Increasingly, he asks, who am I? He is an avid learner. He has asked on multiple occasions to see my journal, but I have declined for obvious reasons. There are over 100 forms in this book that I never want him to take. That's what I can read from the author. I will say the next page is Shifty breaking out, which is part of the reason why they had to leave the bunker. And Shifty tried to trick the author into the journal, and the journal and uh, the author ended up having to leave the bunker behind. So that's kind of the conclusion of the story, but I can't go past that. <laughs> All right, now on for dippers. <clears throat> for Dipper, July 23rd. Wow, the last few days have been more stressful than the rest of the summer put together. 
first we went up against a horde of zombies, and now we face and defeated the shapeshifter. It almost feels like the journal itself is fighting us since I took a vow to find the author. Like it doesn't want its secrets revealed. Well, that sounds super paranoid and maybe even a little insane. I'm going to bed. Ugh, it's 3 a.m. and I barely slept. Seuss was right. Every time I fall asleep, I start having nightmares about the shapeshifter. But it's worse when I'm awake because I just start thinking about Wendy and how I confess my feelings. I wish I could shapeshift into someone else right now. Someone having a normal summer vacation without an impossible crush on an impossible girl. At least one good thing came out of our encounter with the shapeshifter. The laptop! Sue says this thing is really old. Like, 1980s old. There are some unique keys with weird symbols on the keyboard. Are they in code? Magical? Alien? Calling this thing a laptop is sort of a stretch. It's so heavy it would cut off circulation to your legs. Who knows what information is hidden inside. If Seuss can get this thing fixed up, it could be the clue that finally solves the big mysteries of Gravity Falls. Or it might just be filled with some really cool classic 8-bit games. Either way, it's a win. (laughs) And that is the journal entry for today. Yay! Hmm. 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 All right, so now for the next part, which is the Cypher Corner and connections to previous episodes. So, for the connections, the final shot of last week's episode was Dipper using the blacklight to reveal the bunker for this week's episode. In the Inconveniencing, which is the convenience store episode, Wendy uses the zip lips and throw away the key gesture when she decides not to share Dipper's secret Lammy Lammy dance with everybody. This becomes her tell that she's not the shapeshifter in this episode. And finally, the shapeshifter becomes a few creatures from previous episodes that we've seen before, like the Grimloblin, the Gnome, and the Hide Behind from the Shorts. Which is the one that looks like Groot, but it's the Hide Behind. (laughs) And so for the cryptograms, there are four and one's great. The cryptogram at the end of the credits, once it's deciphered, reads, What kind of disaster indeed? And that is based on when they first get down to the bunker, Dipper's looking at all the food through 2070, and he says, what kind of disaster did the author need this for? And the cryptogram is, what kind of disaster indeed? In journal number three, two of the ciphers on the cryogenic tubes page, which I just read, one reads, am I me? Is he me? And the other one reads, ice, ice, baby. (laughs) And finally... There's a page that flashes at the end of the credits and has two ciphers. And when they're put together, they read, Improper use of machinery could lead to utter catastrophe. Hmm. Ah. So, Chris, what's your speculations after all that? Well, I'm, I think we might have met the author already somehow. Um, okay. As, an obje- as a character or an inanimate object. Just from the line about the author... Has a bit in, has a bit himself for thirty years. So we're linking all that thirty years stuff together. Whatever happened happened thirty years ago, and maybe it had to do with transforming. Maybe he's a tree with eyes or something. I'm but, going to throw out a couple things. We know that Stan has also been in Gravity Falls for thirty for years. For thirty which, years, right? Which they, confi- which they confirmed last week. Yeah, Stan's involved in all of it because he's. 
he's got something that he wants to do that and he's I, been waiting for 30 years to do to and, either and do or undo. I think the calendar in Carpet Diem was July 4th, and I think it was 1982. And this show started in 2012, which is 30 years, I think. Yeah. Go on, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all. That's all I really. All I really got. That's why I would camp in that bunker. There's could figure out stuff. I mean, fix up that laptop. Fix up the computers down in the bunker. <laughs> yeah. What are your Three thoughts on the most. laptop? Um, because it has the label on it, property of F. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Do you think F is an organization, a person, a place? It could be. It could be part of the that tape was ripped off. Could, there could be all sorts of things. If it was like a government organization or something, there wouldn't be a sticker on it that said property of F like that. It was, I don't know. It depends on what kind of laptop. If it's like a real, just like 80s laptop, all it could really have on it is maybe some text <laughs> if they're lucky. But if it's some government laptop, maybe they'll be able to see like video on it or something like that. My, my question is, are they go? Are they going to let Stan? I, I mean, like, really, they should go right back home and go like, Stan, we found a bunker. <laughs> what do you know about this? Or you should go take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised I... we didn't see the FBI agents. They'll be back. <laughs> I was looking for them in the background and I did not see them. They're usually in crowd shots. I will let you know because they're blending in with the crowd. What's next week's episode? I know for sure they're in episode five and episode six and episode nine because I've seen them. But a lot of times they're usually in crowd shots because they're just blending in just so you know where to look for them. (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. So any other theories and speculations? Uh, No, not really. Mm -mm. You know what I really know? What? I really know. Oh, I I know what you know. That I have amazing patrons who are so wonderful and the best, and I love them so much. So, you know what? Brie, hey babe, I love you. And Alex, I love you too. You two are the best. And Kate, you just, you know who you are. You know I love you. And Patrick, I love you so much, Patrick! That's my terrible attempt at doing Chris's voice for you. When you, of course, you know that you're, you're like my rock. And Bill, you're also my rock. I love you so much. Heather, you are the sweetest supporter ever. And you're the best. And I've been really enjoying getting to know you. And also, thank you for sending me the uh, Ahsoka music the other day. That was really great. And I really enjoyed it. Even though this is like six weeks later. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that Ahsoka lo-fi mix. It was really a lot of fun. Brian, you're awesome. And you know I love you too. And Jean, I'm very excited about you doing the strangers in paradise and i can't wait to hear it i'm so proud of you i'm so excited for you you're loved <laughs> thank you guys for being my patrons and you're the best and i adore you guys so much thank you for everything you're the best so all right chris what are your final thoughts on the episode ah, i liked it a lot it's it's i i, I think there's gonna be a mis- mixture of like instead of just being like fun gaggy episodes they're gonna be really interesting gaggy episodes with that layer of frustration of like you never get the whole you know you're never going to get the whole story till later mm-hmm. thing and piecing it together and i like that yeah i like how kind of like what i was saying um i don't remember when season one is very episodic and like adventure of the week season two is much more serial so while 
this in a way, you know, is an adventure of the week. It's tied into last week's episode where they found the black lights and Dipper saw the bunker. And now they're going into here. And now we get the yeah. laptop, which is and be it started forward. with a zombie. It even started with a zombie movie and there were zombies in the last episode, you know? So yeah. And Dipper was like, hey, zombies are much less scary. These movies are less scary when you fought real zombies. So, yep, yep. Is it? Is this show finally living up to what you thought it was going into it? It's it's getting there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's where we keep all the 2 True Freaks podcasts. More than, we probably have like 70-some podcasts on there. You can uh, sign up for their RSS feeds there or iTunes, including the one I do with Hope, uh, J Guys and Jedi, where we're just getting ready to finish up Season 7 of Clone Wars and move into Resistance after some holiday fun. Yeah. And you can also find us on Facebook because we have a Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is more of a forum for hanging out. And we are on Twitter, run by the aforementioned Gene Gene, the voiceover machine. I don't do voiceovers. Gene. I don't know how to do voiceovers. Well, you know, you can always just revert to the classic Gene, you know. In times of doubt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, revert to the original classic yeah. gene. Yeah. <laughs> the OG the classic, gene. The classic. Yeah, the OG gene. It's a, the OG gene. The OG gene. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it? I guess that's it, yeah. Uh, where, where do you go after OG gene? <laughs> well, you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com. Of course, this is the animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. By the time this comes out, um, I will be already doing Mandalorian reviews or be completed with those. I don't know how math works. Um, so that would I be know it's do- only a couple weeks till a little more than a couple weeks till Mandalorian starts. I've been I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but I've been really enjoying being a part of a queer panel with a friend of our podcast, Pink Milk, Brian and Tom, who are just the loveliest of gay husbands. And I was invited to be on a panel to discuss the Mandalorian season one from a queer point of view. And we've been talking about a lot of really important topics. One of the recent ones that we've been talking about is how do we look at Cara Dune when Gina Carano, her actress has been spreading transphobic messages and misinformation about the coronavirus and our feelings towards that. We've been talking about our feelings about like coming out and wearing our own personal Mandalorian armor in different situations and like really deep diving and just being really vulnerable and personal and it's honestly the most important pro- project I've ever been a part of. And it's been so rewarding. And I've, I've fallen in love with all these people. And it, by the time this episode com- comes out, it's going to be months ago that this happened. But look up Pink Milk in their Mandalorian episodes. I've been really enjoying being part of this panel. And I look forward to talking about season two with them because they're all beautiful, lovely people. And I love it so much. And I might never look at the Mandalorian the same way again. So which will be so difficult to when we cover that in J-Guys and Jedi to be like... How do I not talk about this when I'm ta- how when I now see the Mandalorian as the queer experience and trans? <laughs> how do I do this? <laughs> so I do it with uh, dirty Yoda and fart jokes as we do. Um, 
If you want to help support the show, uh, you can look up patreon.com slash experience. Of course, I always thank my patrons in the episodes, but that is really a great way to support the show. Um, it really helps out because hosts and websites are not free, so I have to pay those, and that's really helpful. You can follow me at Hope Molinax. Um, of course, Chris said we do Drag Guys and Jedi, and our Twitter for that is at Drag Guys and Jedi. And I also have an Etsy shop where you can get cute Waddles merchandise. The Waddles paying his keyboard. And I am planning on doing a couple Owl House things as well. Um, I just got a new tablet, and I'm just, like, drawing stuff. I, Chris, I drew a bunch of fat Loth cats last night, and they're adorable. Ooh. <laughs> I'll have to send you them. Loth really fats? Cute. Loth fats. They're just fat Loth little, little, cats. Little Loth fatties. Yeah, I've been enjoying... I've, I've discovered that I really love drawing fat Loth cats. Because <laughs> they're just fat and just blah. I also have a really fat cat, so Zeb rolled over and I was like, I'm going to draw that. Because he can't roll over, he's too fat. But you can find that at etsy.com slash shop slash experience. Well, are you ready for the title of next week's episode? I am. It's called The Golf War. And golf is like the sport golf, like G-O-L-F. Like G-O-L-F I'm playing golf. War? Oh my yeah. god. The golf war. <laughs> it's almost tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> Any idea what it's about? You can see about? a golf war veteran watching it with a single tear rolling down their eye. I promise. And I I'm I'm gonna say since it's the location of it, you don't find golf courses really that much, I think, in the Pacific Northwest, so it's going to be a miniature golf course. That's all I'm all I'm willing to uh, guess at at this point. You know, I will give you that one. You are correct. Yes. yes. And I will go even further that we've seen mini golf. Um, I think it was the episode Carpet Dam, where it opens with them playing mini golf in their attic room. Hmm. Oh... And we're actually going to go to a mini golf course next week, but with a Gravity Falls twist. Of course. Of course. (laughs) So, yeah. Come back next week for us to talk about the golf war. And I will say for episode four, the following week, we're going to have a very special guest on our show. You've heard her on the show before. If you listen to the Owl House special, you know who I'm talking about. But I will officially announce it next week. And I'm very excited about having her back. All right, guys. See you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind-the-scenes content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.